welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey, here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Cap Fridays RR Podcast. Today, we're talking about how the smaller you cut, the, the bigger the little things are. Before we do that, let's talk about Plum Investment Group. Guys, do you have a property that you need funding for? Plum Investment Group is your solution. Plum helps land investors grow their business by funding your raw land purchase. Truly an awesome deal, guys. And just to be clear, this isn't a loan. Plum will actually partner with you by putting up the money for your project. So do yourself a favor. Go check out the website at PlumInvestmentGroup.com. Happy 2023, sir. Hey, welcome to 23. It's the new year... Is it new me or is it same me, just doing things a little differently, or what, what's the plan for you? Uh, let's see. Let's see. You know, I was actually thinking about this earlier earlier on the drive here. Last year, I had all, like, I felt really, I felt really, I've got so many things I'm going to add on and do this year. And this year, I'm like, let's just stick with what we got and just do well at it. And, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't need to add on a whole bunch of stuff, but... I have things in New Year, New Year, people, which is great. We've got a course sale over like New Year's night, so it's like someone was waiting for that. Yeah, they had to jump in and get it done. The bottle of the middle of the night, they're just like, yeah, let's do it. Who? I'll get I'll get their name afterwards in case they try to get into the group. The you know because part of the course is getting into the private Facebook group, and that is the only way to get into it. So, um. Man, so you're going to start with just doing what you're doing better. And I think one of the big things that we've heard a lot of people say in kind of today's topic was talking about adding subdivides to to their repertoire into the tool belt for 2023 and seeing how they can create more inventory. So, you know, one of the things that's come up through the masterclass is having these guys and girls come in and just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this and cut it down to certain sizes. And, you know, one of the things that happens is when you cut down small Big things or little things are amplified and turned into big things. Yeah, it's yeah, been all the time, the, the rage uh, lately, they're talking about, not just in the master, not just in the, but I see a lot of people talking about subdividing and adding things to their properties and cleaning up things. It's no more, it seems like it's just to buy low, do nothing to it, and sell high. But even if you do that on the bigger, low range, like doing one on a bigger range is a lot different than doing on a smaller range. He's got all these other things you got to think about. Yeah. And so a couple of things right off the top of my head is like I'll, I'll look at subdivides where guys are like, oh, I'm going to cut into half-acre lots. Let's just use Texas, for instance. And if there's no water, no, no sewer, you can't do it. And so the utilities become a big play. And so for me, I always think, okay, the smaller, what, what is my injury you're going to use with it and what is, the, what is I going to be limited to? Um, you know, so if you're going to have to put a person on there to live, if it's going to be a buildable lot, then you need water, you need sewer. Um, and you need electricity. And if you don't have that or access to it, then you've kind of just screwed yourself with land that you really can't use. Yeah, that's so yeah, important to the end user in mind that you just said that because, you know, a lot of times we sell to people for recreational use and whatnot. But when you go down to a half an acre, I mean, how recreational is that? You know, and so your, your buyer changes at that point. We actually have a friend who was looking at a lot the other day for himself to build on good price that's over like right by your parents house 0.75 mm-hmm. acres mm-hmm. Um, but he had to have a well so you start looking into it and you can't even get a well in that area so now the, 
things are a lot more complicated. Oh wow, yeah, and so that one acre. yeah, so you know, so you talk about water and well for that. Another thing I think is missed a lot is the utilities across the property. And so if you you think, oh well, or, I'm sorry, a um, an easement, not utilities, an easement across the property. So you think that those vary in width, but you know they could be anywhere from 10 foot wide to 50 foot wide off the center line. And so you have a 100-foot swath going through a property. And if you think about a quarter-acre property that's 50-foot by 100-foot, and just say, for instance, a power line runs across it, and there's a 30-foot power line easement across it, you're, you're kind of screwed at that point, and your usability is really low. Yeah, we see that a lot, too. You know, not every property that is smaller is going to be really good because of something like an easement, you know, that you just said, that footage there that takes up a lot of, a lot of space. Yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, so what is your ideal cut if you were to cut something down? Do you have an idea that you would you'd want to run with? For me, I think it would looking at the county, whatever the county, city, all the wrecks they need because you don't. We're not experts at like building the concrete roads and the sewer and the drainage and all that. And there's a line where there's a where that's going to happen. Right? So for us to be able to do that partial split and not avoid all of that and all the extra costs because. When you, when you like look at roads and whatnot, the, the price difference is out of control, and that can throw your ROI completely out the window. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I'd say I, I was going. I heard you say that, and I was like, ah, there's something I want to add to that so bad, and I just went blank on it. Oh man, <laughs> now, now it's you with the bad memory. This, 2023 is going to be the year my memory goes to shit. Yeah. It's go uh, for you. Yeah, please send some. Please send some. Um, yeah, with the with the roads, so so many people get. I I want to say this, and it's going to come out rude. So many people get greedy because they look at how how much the values increase when you get to a smaller property. Like, so oh, I bought this thousand acre place, and I'm going to cut it down to one acre lots, and they're going to sell for fifty or sixty thousand dollars an acre. While on a barroom napkin, that's that may be true. When you start looking at it, and you add in the roads to get to every one acre property, you add in the cost of the concrete road, which could be anywhere from six to ten dollars a square foot when you add in curbs and sewers and drainage um, then you talk about all the engineering studies that take place all the lost land for utility easements and um, roads and common areas and just irregular lots it doesn't it doesn't pan out in a lot of situations or you don't get the return that you're used to with you know the the hundred plus percent ROI cash on cash when you get down to that point so it becomes just a, a losing proposition. You end up doing more work for the same money. Yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking about that while you were, what you said. It was the returns that we're used to because, I mean, we're, we're looking at things that are 120% or higher on the subdivided stuff. Right before we're, like, really interested, we'll do something a little less if it makes sense. But we started adding in all that other road and all that other construction costs. Like, these big developers, there's no way at least that I see, that they're getting the same kind of returns as us, but they're also not used to it. Yeah. Do they really need it, though? Because if they're, if they're trying to beat the street at 10%, do they really need a 100% return? You know, we buy our risk with that big return that we, we put in there so we can be a little bit more conservative, show a, a decent projection on a cash-on-cash cash return, and then kind of make sure that's our fail-safe. You know, if we really messed up, really, really messed up, and we only made 30 or 40%, we didn't sink the family. We, we, you made it to the next year. Yeah, so one, that's like the hardest thing to keep in mind, too. And we were trying to tell everybody all the time, but like these house guys are 15 to 20, 25%, and they're like bragging about it all day long, right? We're, we're just not used to that stuff. 
that's a that's big a failure for us to get that low, that low. But we're still doing just as well as every house. But if we did that, every other house flipper, rehabber, builder, whatever out there, um, it just seems like such a loss to us. Yeah, I trying to think. The last time I lost money on a deal, which was like a thousand dollars, was in 2017. Um, I think the lowest I've had on a cash-on-cash cash return was like 2018, 2019 in a while, and that was 25%. So, you know, it's we, I'd, I'd say that we've gotten pretty conservative in the fact that we, we know what's good and what to buy. And I think I've gotten a little bit more prone to saying no and versus taking on some risk. You know, we had uh, one of the guys take on the subdivide. He went ahead and went through a water study to see if the line would hold water for this property because if there was water day it's a payday if there's not it's not a payday and you know me I probably wouldn't have done that I wouldn't have gone through that and said hey let's go through the water study unless I had it you know had, had a few other details working for me uh-huh. yeah that was yeah, actually that was a, that was a risk I, w- I was not sure I would have done either um, he found some really good information out through that mm-hmm and it made the deal very attractive. I know he made his offer the other day. I never heard if it got accepted or not. So. There was magically three other offers the same day that the water study came out. Oh. Uh, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, small when town. The person, when the person in charge of the water study is friends with the listing agent, it's weird how that stuff works out. It does, isn't it? And that's, you know, that's, I, I hate that. That's a bad beat. You know, you're, you're like, fucking people. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're like, well, you know, what, what can you take from that and, and do differently um, to hedge those risks? Because that, that's a risk. You know, you kind of take people at being professionals, but at the same time, you know, they, they still talk. And you're going, come on now. So, yeah, yeah. That's one of those things we don't necessarily think about is like, okay, I'm going to spend this money on this water study. How – what sort I'm looking for? Like, okay, we're in a small town. Like, how big a risk is this that the person that's running my study is going to call and tell the listing agent and all of a sudden I'm going to be out of a deal? Yeah, that's the problem with it is that you, you – so typically you would want to under contract and do a due diligence period. These people wouldn't take a contingency. So it yeah. was the gamble that was taken. I don't I, – I often wonder if you could put a lien on it for the water study. I mean, I know it'd be kind of <laughs> shitty to do. I don't know if you could get away with it, but you know, cloud the title for a lien against the water study to know what the value is. Yeah, I don't know if you could get away with it, but uh, it'd be a good way to mess with those people. He tried making offers. A, they wouldn't take a contingency, and at, and at first, yeah. the listing agent was like, um, "No water. No, we don't want subdividers." Or, oh yeah, and there's the, no water. No water no. But then she changed her mind. Oh yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't care about working on subdividers. Oh yeah, we got water now, girl. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh man, that's a tough one. But again, it's the value in some of those smaller things. You know, on a hundred acre ranchette, you wouldn't care about whether there's water or not. You well, you would want to know that there's well a, a, the ability to get wells in the area. You wouldn't necessarily worry that ah, is it is it going to have water? Hey, is it going to perk? Like the guys east of the Mississippi, when you get into a smaller lot, you get sub ten, sub five. You want to make sure it's going to perk, and there is still a little risk in that. Where we've seen uh, as of late, some guys not getting twenty plus acres to perk, and so mm-hmm. then you have to start thinking, okay, what are my alternate my alternates uh, my alternate ways to get out of that? And so I uh, again, the smaller it goes in, the bigger the risk is. Yeah, 
Kirk is one of those words I've heard more in the last three months than I've ever heard in my life. Really? <laughs> it just seems like with all the subdivided groups and people talking about like Kirk has become like the, the this big deal, like, I guess. Well, yeah, it's well, we do have some guys. We have quite a few guys working east of the Mississippi now, and that's kind of mm-hmm. you know if you think about when well, you uh, you had Plum as the the commercial today. If you think about Plum's requirements. We only do five acres and above. Um, you know, we have to have legal physical access that puts you on the property. You know, those type things are because of perk. You when you want to go nationwide. I don't want to look at every property and be like, okay, hey, has this had a perk test on it? Because now you're the person putting out 400 bucks, or I'm putting out 400 bucks every time to do it just to see if it'll perk. And we found that, that the threat, the threshold for risk for me is at that five-acre mark. Anything below that, you start, like you said earlier, the recreational part, who's really using half-acre for recreation? And so for me, I kind of stopped that line at five acres at a nationwide look when I know that some areas will be a little bit different. So, you know, it's kind of, again, if you if you – if you look at that size property, what the end user is going to use for it, and then what all entails for that end user to actually use the property. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, so what I'm lead, going to lead into this, because something just popped in my head when you were talking was back to the recreational use. We bought a recreational use of property, recreational use property for Project 2. Two. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was the one that had the easement access and had the, li- the little pond on it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I was, was the Tarrant County um, buy sell trade. I swear that property came up for sale yesterday on there. And the, and the person, the person I don't know who they were, was friends with Liz. Really? Yeah. It, it, I don't know if it's exactly that property, but it looks so close to it. Even like some of the ledges and rocks and whatnot. Well, hold on. The property uh, for Project 2 in Mississippi? No, no, sorry, Project 1. Okay. The pond the one, that we uh, – that the 100-acre. Yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's oh, okay. I left the parcel. If I can refine it. Okay. But I was like, holy crap, they're reselling this thing. Tarrant County buy-seller trade. Interesting. I'll take a look. Yeah, if you find it, send it. Um, okay. uh, it was – it was a it was forty though, so now I know it wasn't. But it's the same kind of row. Every, well, they could have cut it. Bought it at forty. Yeah. 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 Huh. Interesting. Well, cool. So as we've kind of talked about, you know, kind of bounced all over the place. But as you get smaller, you do see the need for what the end user is going to be, and it's it's amplified because if you have a quarter acre property that has no power, no water, no sewer, what are you going to do with it? You're going to go camp on a twenty five by hundred lot, um, which isn't going to be very big or usable or you're is maybe an rv lot at best but you know what does that do you your only buyers are going to be rv people so you know as, mm-hmm. we, as we wind this down you start getting into 2023 i think it's a good time and, and as you said that you have a lot of people talking about cleaning up subdividing doing this make sure you're what you're doing actually benefits the end user and makes it a wider range of people versus narrowing it down to such a small group that you can't actually move the property cool Good words to live by. All right. All right, we'll wrap it up for today then. Uh, guys, hope you have a great Friday. As always, do us a favor. Go to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Good like, follow, subscribe. And then go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to wherever else you're listening to us. Like, review, and subscribe to the show. Appreciate it. Love you. See you next Friday. See you guys.